Hello and welcome to the Cotball Watching Podcast. In this episode I had the pleasure of talking to Inside Athletic owner James Echigori about his love and passion for Athletic Club. We spent over an hour talking about the club, his ties to the Basque Country and all things Basque football. Here's what James had to say. Hello and welcome to the podcast James. Um, so today we've decided we're going to have a talk about Athletic Club. Um, it's obviously a, fa- a fascinating club, a very unique club, um, and one that I've, I've, I'm not, I wouldn't say certainly, I'm, I'm not a fan of, I, I am a, a Barcelona fan, but um, it's a club that I've always sort of had a bit of respect for, and um, I've always kind of looked out, obviously because of the, um, how unique the club is, you know, it's always one I've had an interest in, so just to, to start anyway, obviously, I know I know that you're um, you're in America, but do, do you have... Um, any connections to Bilbao or the Basque area, or was it something else that attracted you to the club? Well, I, I've actually got connections. Um, my my family uh, great grandmother um, was was Basque, and my great grandfather was Catalan. So, got a little bit of Basque and Catalan in me. And then uh, my my dad's side of the family are all pure Native American Indians. So, uh, interesting bloodline that I have. But during the Spanish yeah. Civil War, um, my uh, my family came over to America just to kind of get away from the persecution that was going on um, in Spain at the time. And that's kind of how we were here. I, I moved back to uh, Bilbao after college and was there for, for several years. Um, that was always my goal to, to move there. But uh, my wife, who is uh, American, um, we decided to move back to the States uh, about three years ago, if I'm remembering uh, correctly. So been there since, but uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't miss it. That's for sure. Just obviously, then you're saying obviously your your background. You do have the background in the Basque region. You you went to Balbao then and lived it. Was your um, was your passion for the club as much before before you went there, or was it being you know immersed in, in the city that, that really took took it to new heights? Um, I grew up an athletic fan. Um, all of my family were athletic fans, and uh, part of that was of course heritage that that made us athletic fans and. Um, it, there's something to be said about after I move there, just being around the club just makes it grow. And that that's going to be the case with any anything that you immerse yourself around. But I was definitely a passionate fan before I moved. But after going there, that's when things can can really ramp up even more. And that's one of the reasons why I, I started Inside Athletic is there's just uh, at the time there was no English source for any athletic news. And what I saw was a lot of people who weren't Basque, who weren't from Spain, uh, really got into the club and they wanted to know more. And uh, they, they became fans, but they didn't have access to information unless you could uh, speak Spanish or, or, or Basque for those websites that have it all in, in Euskera. But, uh, so I started that just to, to reach out and, and doing that helped me immerse in the club even more. Um, but I, I definitely would say I was a fan before I moved, but like anything else, it, being immersed in it, takes everything to a whole new level. So obviously, um, we already alluded to about the, the club being uh, club being quite unique. Um, so obviously, the, the main sort of policy is to sign professional players or bring through players who are native to or were trained in the greater Basque country. So what what do you think of that policy? What What's your thoughts on it? I'll be honest. I, I love it. Um, I, I think it's one of the biggest sources of pride for the club there's a reason that it it hasn't changed (laughs) and that's because one the club can find success through doing that but also it just brings such a connection to uh to the fans and the people of the uh, of the society around there um and it's not just uh for Basques and that's what you'll hear it called a lot especially in those who to cover uh, the game in English um I remember back when Athletic were playing Manchester United and beat them in the Europa League uh, it, everyone referred to it as the, the the Basque only policy, which is not an accurate representation of what it is. It's uh, it's a policy of wanting to stay true to the grassroots of the area, to stay true to uh, your your family, to put it that way. If if you are anywhere near um, the athletic area or in Bilbao, Biscaya, um, you'll find that everyone knows someone at the club. Your, your neighbor's son is enrolled at La Sama or um, your cousin has a, a friend who was at La Sama or someone knows Marco Susayeta's dad or something of, of this nature. Everyone knows someone. And it the, the policy doesn't exist to be 
exclusive to Basque, but to celebrate uh, the area and to stay true to the area. And so from my perspective uh, as a fan, I absolutely love it. I think it's uh, one of the deciding factors that really does make the club unique. And and unlike anywhere else, uh, I couldn't imagine the club without it. Well, it's just, do, do you think they ever will move away from it, obviously, in this sort of, like, the, the way football is now, um, it's become, you know, so big, so global, and obviously, all our clubs are, are signing from it from everywhere. Do you think it's something that there might ever be pressure on the club to move away from, or do you think that the pressure would be more on the club not to move away from it? Uh, I think the pressure would always be on not moving away. It's something that I, I've never met an athletic fan who wants it changed, uh, I've, I've never met anyone who works for the club that wants it changed. And um, I, just to be simple, I don't think it will ever change. Uh, the day that it changes is the day that Athletic is no longer Athletic anymore. It's the identity of the club. Uh, that being said, I, I can see some tweaks potentially happening. And um, what I mean by that is the, the way that it works right now is you have to be born in the Basque country or have grown up in a, a an academy um, from a club in the Basque country. Yeah. Uh, so technically speaking, you could be Basque. Your parents can be full-blood Basque, but if you weren't born or formed there, you still can't play for the club. Um, so what the current president is uh, trying to work through right now and gauge where uh, the socios, the, the, the supporters um, are feeling is the, the Basques of the diaspora, the, the people who, like my family, uh, left during the Spanish Civil War or left because of job region or job reasons, there's a, a big um, Basque community in Boise, Idaho, in the United States. There's um, a lot of Basque in Colombia, in some other South American areas. And he's saying, yeah, they they were never born here, they were never formed here, but they're Basque. Should they be able to play for the club? And that's a conversation that's being had now. And, and I would say that that would be probably the biggest change if that ever happened. But I see that more as a tweak instead of a change. And Everyone has their own opinions on it, but the the essence of what that policy is, I really can't see it ever ha- ever changing. And if it did, they would have to deal with a a ton of fans storming San Mamés uh, with pitchforks and 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 uh, axes ready to to chop it down. If, if that ever happened, fans would not have it. I remember just obviously at the, the start of this season, I actually wrote an article about could it maybe be time for you know athletic to to think about a change but it was at that time it was more um obviously this season was kind of it was like really a tale of two halves for athletic where uh, at the start of the season they were really really struggling and um, they were down obviously in relegation places and then obviously they got it together and in the end they almost made it into the europa league but um pretty much most of most of the comments and most of the people that were replying to me and and talking about the article were very much no like it should never happen, and it's you know it's it's part of the identity. Obviously, it's not it's not to everyone's taste as such, and I know that there are some people that criticise the club, and they kind of try to make it out as like it's like a like a form of discrimination or non inclusive. Like, what would be your message to to those people? Well, uh, real quick before I address that, as you said, most people told you no, they wouldn't want that change. There was actually a a poll among athletic fans i think it was back in 2013 so it's a little bit dated now uh, but the question was asked would you rather be relegated which athletic have never been relegated or would you rather change the policy and it was i think if i remember correctly 97 or 98 percent said we would rather be relegated that's how important it is to the club um, but but to address the, the idea of it being um exclusive i've heard the the term racist thrown around and um things of that nature uh just looking at it on paper, the way that English media have have uh, kind of termed it as the Bosque only policy gives you that feeling. And, and I think uh, one of the misconceptions is how the policy actually works, uh, because people think it's you have to be Bosque. It's about your blood. And that's what allows you to play for the club. And uh, that's not what it is. It's uh, where you call home is what allows you to play for the club. And so if I were to say that the the policy is restrictive or looking at a specific race or group of people, well, then someone like Iñaki Williams couldn't play for the club. Someone like Aymeric Laporte couldn't play for the club. Um, issues like 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 this, it's it's not just about your blood. It's about what you call home. And Athletic are trying to uh, keep a club that's focused on 
the area that's focused on uh, your own people. And, uh, you know, there's there's been questions brought up of how can the club be allowed to do this? How come, you know, labor rights people haven't come in? And it's because it's not about what's in your blood. It's about uh, where you grew up. It's about what you call home. And so I I, I always tell people, you know, I'm not going to be able to convince someone who thinks it's restrictive that it's not. But I would always encourage people to look at it through the lens of why the club has adopted this policy. And it's not to be restrictive. It's to really show pride in home, um, to, to, to show pride and stay true to the values that athletic have always had. Values that, as the former president, Yoshi Rutia, would say, um, are, are dying today in football. And that's youth development. That's uh, local football, grassroots football. Um, being close as a community, and that's the entire reason of it is, is staying together. We, we trust our own instead of trusting in others who don't call this home, and uh, I, I think it's something very special, but there's always going to be the detractors who call it restrictive and use you know, worse terminology for it. I don't think I'll ever be able to, to change their minds on that, but uh, looking at it through the, the lens of why it's there, that's when you really get a sense of what this club is about. I think uh, just that you obviously touched on on Williams and Laporte. I think if if I, you can correct me, obviously if I'm wrong, but I think in the Nike Williams case, obviously I think both of his I'm right in saying both of his parents were maybe from Africa, but he himself was born in Balbao. Is that right? Yes, his parents uh, immigrated from Africa. Uh, he was born in Bilbao. His family moved to Pamplona, um, where he was actually discovered by an athletic scout. Um, and so, by one being born in Bilbao, he qualifies to play for athletic but secondly by attending a Bosque youth academy he qualified again so there's no question of should Anaki be able to play for the yeah. club and, and the good thing is he's really embraced it he, he calls himself Bosque he said I'm African I'm black and I'm Bosque and again I think that's a great way to look at the policy is it's not about what's in his blood it's about what he calls home and he calls the Bosque country home and you can see that a lot with some of the statements he's made because Clubs like Liverpool have been trying to sign him for three years, and he keeps turning them down and saying, I want to retire as a legend for Athletic. I want to be one of the greatest strikers the club has ever seen. I have no interest going anywhere. And it's because, as he says, the club gave him and his family everything, and it is home, and nowhere else is home, and he wants to stay home. I think he's a perfect example of what this policy actually is in showing that it's not restrictive. It really is inclusive to the area, and that's the point of it. I know uh, as well, obviously, you mentioned Laporte. I think with, with his scenario, obviously, there, there hasn't been a great deal of French. I know he's eligible to play for, for France or Spain, um, and I know he's, it's often talked about where you know he doesn't play for France, which is still, the, you know, it still amazes me that he doesn't get a game. But... Um, I think I'm right in saying with him. Obviously, there was there was him and Lizar Azou, two of the only French. Was there two or three? Was there another one? I know Lizar Azou was was one that was a French was French and played for Athletic Bilbao. Was there another one? Can you? Those are the two big ones. And uh, the, the the good thing with that is, you know, Vishen um, Lizarazu was was actually Basque, and Emeric mm. Laporte has a a Basque grandmother. Um, but that alone, of course, would not qualify him. Um, is there some? Is it? With, did he play? That he was he. Am I right in saying he was born? He lived outside the Basque lands, but played for a youth team. Is that yes. right? He actually yeah. uh, moved to a club called Aveyron Bayonne, which is mm -hmm. in uh, Bayonne, France, which is the a uh, part of the the French uh, Basque country. And um, he spent one year at Aveyron, which is a club that Athletic actually have a partnership with. So after one year there, he came to the club. Some some people who look down on the on the policy will say oh well so athletics sent him there for one year to qualify him to play for the club isn't that kind of cheating is like well he he played one year at a boss youth academy so he, he met the qualification and uh sometimes you have to do some things like that but he also has a boss grandmother which i think helped a lot of fans be like okay now we feel a little bit better about it as well but um one player that is french that athletic always wanted to sign was didier Deschamps. He was actually born in Bayonne, so he was born in the French Basque country. Mm -hmm. And Athletic tried lots of times to uh, to get um, Didier Deschamps to come to the club. And, uh, of, of course, that never worked. But we see what type of player he's become, what type of uh, manager he's become. And so uh, the Basque country definitely claim uh, Deschamps as one of their own. And um, another French player, 
um, Stéphane Ruffier, um, the goalkeeper in France, is, has been regularly linked to the club as far as he could play for the club because of where he was born. But um, there's never been any interest for the club in signing him. So not a lot of French players, but uh, Lissarasu and, and Laporte would definitely be the big two. And I agree with you. I have no idea how Laporte has not been called up to the French national team. When he was with Athletic, he wasn't getting called. And once he left for Manchester City, I thought, okay, it's going to happen pretty immediately now. He's at a big club. But to see him not called up again, I'm I'm flummoxed as to why that's not happening. He's a fantastic player. I have to be honest, he's, Laporte's one of them players. I've, I've been watching him for a long, long time. Like I've probably watched more despite coming from, from Ireland. And obviously, we've sort of got the Premier League thrown down our, our throats here. And, and just it's, it's all mostly what... what everyone watches but I've always kind of more more sided with La Liga and Laporte's just one of them players it's just from the very first time I've seen him just coming through and I just always thought he was a really good player one of the things I, I've never seen a defender that's as good one-on-one one as he is sometimes you would see Messi or something or even Ronaldo and you would be watching games and you would see them get one-on-one -on -one with a defender and you would you just automatically think you know they're not going to stop them but and the, Laporte was one that they always did done a good job of doing it so I always thought that the way Barcelona play because Barcelona's yeah, um, the likes of PK or whoever's at centre back for Barcelona because they're such an attacking team the midfield's going forward and whenever they lose the ball you're kind of isolated I always really wanted Laporte to come to Barcelona but obviously Pep uh, Pep got him to City and I, I, think, I think he's a fantastic player and as you know I think we're wholeheartedly in agreement about the, the fact that he can't get in the France team um, one other wee thing I just wanted to touch on as well, just while we're, we're talking about different players and stuff about um, athletic, we're linked to it. We're linked to a player, and they were they weren't even they weren't Basque. They, if I remember right, the, the player was Astorian, um, but I cannot remember now just off the top of my head who it was. But um, I just remember being shocked that you know that there was such an ignorance about it. Um, the another occasion as well this season, I can't, it might have been last season, but there was a Romanian. Signed. Who was there? Who was that? Uh, Athletic signed uh, Christian Ghana, who uh, is signed, he, he did have a he did then end up having a basket. Because remember seeing that at the time yep. and thinking, you know, what if they changed the policy? And if they had changed <laughs> the policy, I thought they might have went for someone else. But obviously, it turned out in his scenario that I think he had trained and maybe whenever he was growing up or something, he had spent some time, had he? Yep, he he had uh, uh, grown up playing uh, for a couple of years uh, at a Basque Youth Academy. He had actually also played for the Basque uh, national uh, youth team. I think it was the U14 team that he played for as well. So uh, no questions there, although you, you, you will find some people say, okay, that, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't count, but that's the letter of the law, and he absolutely qualifies. Okay. So anyway, if, obviously with, with the situation, there, there is a, a definitely a, a disadvantage as such, but they're still one of Spain's biggest clubs, most successful clubs, certainly. Um, eight La Liga titles, which is fourth, I think, Barca, Real and Atletico. And 23 Copa del Reyes, which is second only to Barcelona. Um, how, how, do, like, how do they manage to do that? And like, I imagine that is something that they're very proud of. Yeah, uh, Athletic and Athletic fans are, are very proud of the history. Um, if you look back, um, the 80s were a fantastic... Um, decade for the club uh where they won several titles and and then before that as well you know they were one of uh, spain's biggest clubs and if you look back through the history signing players wasn't really the the same as it is now uh, you didn't have all these players just joining other clubs for no reason other than you know money and glory it, it was more players wanted to stay where they were from you saw players more loyal to where they were and athletic were great at developing talent uh something that has stayed decade after decade. Uh, the club is fantastic at um, developing their own youth players, giving them chances and watching them flourish. And their, their eyes have always been trained on the area around them instead of looking globally where you can't really get a good picture of everything. And athletic were one of the great teams of La Liga. And they still are, as you say, fourth, most La Liga title, second, most Copa del Reyes. Um, recently, I you know they won the, the 2015 Spanish Supercopa, uh, beating Barcelona, that was that was uh, a major title to the club, even though it wasn't one of the quote-unquote big titles. It still meant a lot. And uh, before then, remember, they were in the Europa League final back when Marcelo Bielsa was coaching the club. They were in the uh, Copa del Rey final twice. They're still getting to finals. I don't know when the next major title is going to be, but they're still a very competitive team. 
uh, in La Liga. They're still a team that people don't want to play against. You'll hear people like Lionel Messi say that he doesn't like playing at San Mames. It's difficult to play there. And um, other players like that, they, they call it one of the most difficult stadiums in Spain to play um, just because of the atmosphere and the fans and the way the club plays there. Um, it's called the Cathedral, but other people call it the Fortress as well. So it's it's a legendary club. It it really is. And just look through the the history of of Spanish football, and a lot of athletic players are legends of the game. Telmo Sara, who only Lionel Messi has scored more goals than in La Liga, and, and that's an athletic player. Spent his entire his entire career with the club, and um, widely considered the greatest Spanish goalkeeper of all time, Jose Angel Iribar. Um, it's actually Basque, but. Uh, Played for athletic, athletic legends still around the club and helping them out in different capacities. And um, they're one of the founding members of a Liga. They've never been relegated. And uh, fans get a lot of pride out of this. And and we know that uh, next year it's you know not expected for the club to win a trophy. But if you talk to any athletic fan, what they'll say is the fact that we're competing at such a high level with our values is already a title. That doesn't mean we don't want to win other ones, but we get so much value and joy out of just competing um, that a, a title is just kind of the uh, the icing on top, if you will. But um, it's definitely a source of pride for the club and something that the club always looks to and points to. And look at our history. Look, look at what we've been able to accomplish and we're still fighting for, but with our values. And that makes it even more special. So obviously Athletic are one of the few clubs that are owned by the members, which in my sort of the way I look at it is, you know, it kind of fits in with the ethos, you know, it's obviously they're, they're proud, the players are all locally, so, you know, it probably fits too that they, it's it's members owned and it's owned by the fans. So do you think that is a good good model for the club? I think that's a good model for, for any club, if, if I'm being honest, and um you know, so, someone who is uh, American as myself, um, having been born and, and raised over here, even though I am Basque and, and spent some time over there. Uh, in America, you look around and every professional team is owned by someone. Um, you look at England, um, you know, you, Arsenal have owners and PSG have owners and um, all the Manchester City ha- have owners and, and stuff. And uh, it's coming from America. It makes sense. But looking at it through the context and lens of football, it makes more sense to be a fan-owned entity. Um, seeing it with Atletic and Osasuna and, and other clubs like that, it just makes more sense because um, the entire club is being run by the supporters, the ones who are devoting their their time, their effort, their support, their money to the club are the ones that get to make the decisions. Um, and so I see Athletic make decisions, and it's it's always um, democratic on on a large scale is, is that the fans are going to decide what happens. Uh, that doesn't mean all of them are going to have it their way, but the large majority are going to get to decide where the club goes, what big decisions are made. Uh, even for instance, right now, um, back in January, Athletic tried to sign uh, Fernando Llorente. And uh, from what I was told, uh, that deal was almost done until Harry Kane hurt his ankle. Tottenham uh, couldn't afford to get rid of Fernando Llorente. And what you saw in the next couple of weeks was a ton of fans come out and say, we don't want Fernando Llorente back because of the way he left the club. We don't want him coming back. Since then, the president has come out and said, he's not a target. We're not going after him. Now, he did say it's because he doesn't have a place in the team because we have four strikers. I think you can make the argument that he was the, the backup striker for the Champions League final team. He can have a place in the team. But the president realizes this is something the fans don't want. It's not going to happen. Where I, I look at other clubs who are you know, run by an owner. And it, it's almost as if, you know, the fans are just there. They don't really have as much of a voice. And you know, that's from an outsider's perspective. But I have um, a really good friend uh, that lives locally to me who's a big Arsenal fan. And he just tells me all the time, oh, I don't like that the owner does this or I don't like that the owner does that. And really, he's he doesn't answer to anyone. The owner gets to do whatever the owner wants to do. And um, I, I don't know any of these owners personally, but I know that the the temptation to make money um, is has got to be there where it can cloud your judgment of what's best for the club. Whereas presidents who are, are leading clubs that are owned by the fans, they are accountable to every single supporter for the decisions that they make. And I think that's a great model because it makes the club the most important thing, not the person who's writing the checks. See, just on, on the, the ownership, is it, is it, sim- is it similar the, the way it works? Obviously, I know at Barcelona and Real Madrid where 
like whenever you're standing for the presidency of the club, you have to put up like a certain amount of money. Is it is it is it something similar like that at Athletic? Yes. Um, so uh, presidents have to put up what's called guarantees when they take over. Um, if you're a a new president, if you're someone who comes out of the previous board, you're actually exempt from that because you're operating under the same uh, financial status as the the former board. But this is what happened. Um, with Athletic on the 27th of December, when Aitor Elzegui won the election, he was running against Alberto Uribe Echeverria, who was the accountant under the former board. And because Elizegui won, he had to pay guarantees, um, which were 15% of the that year's mm-hmm. operating budget. So he paid, I think it was 19.3 million euros. Um, so he had to put that up um, to show that, hey, I can take care of the club. We can We have financial backing. We can protect the club. Um, uh, the interesting thing with that, though, is that the way that it works in Spain, there's actually a law in place to protect the financial status of clubs. Um, and that is when a new president takes over, the accounts basically start at zero. So, for instance, right now, Athletic are one of the few clubs in, in all of football that have no debt, even though they have a new stadium, they have no debt whatsoever. Um, they actually have 300 million euros just sitting in the bank of surplus, which is outstanding to think of when you, you see – you know, Atletico Madrid owing 600 million euros and, and stuff. And, but to see Athletic have 300 just sitting in the bank right there um, is amazing. But uh, when Elizegui takes over and then when he leaves, the the finances have to show 300 million or more, or he's personally responsible for that missing amount. So it starts at zero, even though there's money there. He can use that money, but he's responsible for it as well. And and that means that, you know, a manager or a president can't just come in, spend all the money and say, oh, well, we spent all this money. We have all these issues. We're now fighting against relegation and I'm leaving and I'm not responsible for any of it. If he were to use, say, 60 million of that 300 and when he leaves, there's, you know, 230 uh, left in the bank. He and his board owe 70 million to the club. Um, it, that makes it a little bit difficult because you look at it and you say, man, if they could spend this money, that'd be amazing. But at the same time you know that he's got to do the work to make sure the club is bringing in the revenue that they need. Oh, and if something crazy does happen, there is a, a fallback net there. There, There is something that he'll be able to, to look at to protect the club. And the former board actually created a provisional fund of 76 million euros after they sold uh, Keparisa Valaga to Chelsea. And that is something that the new president can use. And it was set aside so that it can be used by anyone if there was ever a need say you can't balance the books or you can't afford wages for whatever reason that money is there and can be used um which is which is fantastic that he has that and that was a great foresight by the former board to say hey let's put some money up so we're not just protecting the club's long-term future but also the short-term future if that needs to be used i think it's definitely a good a good policy and a good idea and we see so much as you say like some teams are just crazy amounts of debt and you know, it kind of it kind of means it means that you know no matter what happens, Athletic's future is secure. And obviously, you know, as a supporter of the team, I'm sure that's something you know that, that obviously you know gives it gives a degree of comfort. So obviously, Athletic's big big rivals are Real Sociedad, who previously were similar to Athletic, and that they didn't uh, they they sort of had like the homegrown policy. And then in 1989, I think it was John Aldridge was the was the first player that they signed, and um, who's obviously he's from I think he's from Liverpool, but he's a he's a, was an Irish international. So is there much made of the fact that that Larry Al um, moved away from that policy? Um, you'll see jabs here and there uh, from Athletic fans. Um, I think it happened so long ago now; it's been so removed that it's not really brought up anymore. Um, and the good thing is. Uh, in the context of uh, Basque rivalries, uh, they're very healthy. You'll see before, um, bet- between derbies of them, you'll see fans in both jerseys hanging out outside the stadiums and having a drink together, singing together. Uh, they're rivals, and you know we want to beat each other, but there's also camaraderie there and respect. Um, of course, there's always the crazies who are going to take it far, and both clubs have their own way of looking at things. You'll see Real Sociedad fans make fun of Athletic's policy, or they'll see Christian Ganea, who just signed, as we mentioned earlier, the Romanian, they'll say, oh, he signed, he's Romanian. Yeah, let's talk about your policy. Let's st- stop bragging about that. That's You're obviously joking with it if you're signing him. And 
uh, you'll also hear Athletic come back and say, yeah, but we've been more successful than you and you can sign anybody. So what's your deal? And um, it, it, that does happen. But there is a lot more respect than I would say El Clasico or other derbies like that. And, and I think it's interesting just having been around football my entire life is that uh, most of the rivalries in Spain outside of, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Atletico, they're all really healthy. Uh, there, there's definitely some hatred from you know, being rivals, but there's also a lot of respect as well, um, partially because of the history, partially because uh, how much these cities have all gone through together um, in, in the course of, of history as well in the clubs. But um, it, it's a healthy rivalry, and um, you really don't see that brought up too much. Um, I, I think you see it more when you're talking to outsiders who don't understand the policy, and they'll say, well, Athletic finished uh, eighth last year, or you know they made it to the Europa League um, three years in a row. Man, if they could have signed outside players, they could have, they could have challenged for a title there. You know, why wouldn't you want to get rid of that? You'd be so much better. And and I actually hear that a lot. Athletic would be a better team if they got rid of the policy. And the easy answer to that is, well, Real Sociedad got rid of the policy, and Athletic have been more successful than them from that date on. Um, they were more successful before as well, but. Uh, if if you want to just make the statement, Athletic would be better without it, you can just look right down the road in San Sebastian, and there's a club that did get rid of it, and it didn't help them. They they haven't been more successful than Athletic. It's actually uh, the contrary. So you hear that brought up more, I think, with outsiders than within the the realm of the the actual rivalry itself. So I know, obviously, on the on the rivalry, I have, I have actually sort of heard a, a bit about that camaraderie where. I know and uh, where I seen it was um, do you remember John Toshak was the Real Sociedad manager? Yep. Um he was uh, I was reading in his book and he basically talked about I was I can't remember now which season it was, but he says sort of says that there was a there was a season and there there was allegations or at least it was sort of suggested that a couple of the clubs, a couple of the Basque clubs done each other a few favours. Um, and the relegation battle, and uh, so I kind of wanted to know, but you've kind of already said as well there, but there's almost feels like there's a a feeling that you would rather do Real Sociedad a favour than say some team you know from from outside Spain or from outside the, the Basque region. So like, I, t- I take it that that probably genuine, genuinely is a thing that that it would be like that. Uh, I guess it would depend on what the favour is. Um, you'll definitely see athletic fans who just want Real Sociedad to be relegated or they want Osasuna to go back down. And um, Osasuna is kind of the, the the black sheep of the, the family when it comes to, to Basque clubs because they are in Pamplona. Um, some people don't consider that to be the true Basque country, but, you know, geographically, you know, you can get into all of that. And um, th- their stadium is very hard to play in a- as well. And so it, them coming back, athletic, no, they got a hard game on the road in Pamplona. Um but I think depending on what it is, uh, you want to see other boss teams be successful. I, I think the, the best way to put it is Athletic want to qualify for Europe, preferably the Champions League, and definitely ahead of all the other boss clubs. Um, but we hope that they do the the country well um, in, in how they perform. I mean, I, I've talked to some fans and they said, I'd, I want Athletic to finish fourth. And then the other boss boss teams can finish fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or or whatever. But uh, I think it's okay to do them a favor as long as it's not hurting athletic at all, because you definitely want to be better than them. You want to finish higher than them. You want to beat them every time you play them. Um, but you also get respect from what they bring as well. For instance, this year or this coming season, once again, there's going to be five clubs from the Basque country um, in La Liga. Athletic, Real Sociedad, Alaves, Eibar, and now Osasuna, who just earned promotion back. And all five of those clubs have Basque managers. And you'll see nothing but praise for that. There, there's no hatred of of those clubs. And when you're talking about things like this, it's all praise. Hey, look at Real Sociedad and Osasuna and, and us and what we're doing together. And there's actually going to be seven Basque coaches in the Liga this year. So a fourth of the league is from the Basque country. And almost half of the coaches are from the Basque country. And uh, that brings pride. And I think there's a little bit of pride in what we're all doing together, even though there's the competitiveness as well. So I was actually going to touch on the, the fact that there is five Basque sides in the, the league next season with also getting promoted. 
But so, what do you think? Do you think all five can stay up, or do you think that there might be sort of some some of them might find themselves in a in a relegation battle? I definitely think all five can stay up. Uh, they all have the quality to do that. Um, I think the big questions are Alaves and, of course, Osasuna. Um, Alaves kind of fell apart a little bit at the end of last season, and, and losing Ibai Gomez, who returned to Athletic, definitely hurt them. He was one of their best players and a leader in that team. Uh, it's going to come down to how they can regroup and retool this offseason. Um, but again, Asia Garitano has taken over as the new manager. Um, he did well with Leganes. He flopped with Real Sociedad in the first half of last season. Uh, I think their season depends on can Asia Garitano get the best out of his players and will they be able to fill some of the holes that they have? Uh, I don't think they're going to be competing for Europe next year like they did this past year. Um, I, I don't expect them to be in a deep relegation battle, but I can see them being in that 15 area fighting to get up. But hopefully it's better. Uh, Osasuna is kind of a wild card. They'll have the quality just because anybody can stay in the league, and the relegation battle is always really difficult, and it's not just the newly promoted teams that are in it. Um, but f- from what I'm hearing, it looks like they're going to be able to sign uh, some decent players who could really help the team. Um, one of them um, potentially would be Chabi Acheta, who uh, was an athletic player. He went on loan to Huesca last year, was the captain, scored four goals as a center back. He was rock solid, but there's not a, a spot for him in the athletic squad, so they didn't renew his contract. And um, I've heard that Osasuna are definitely going to make him an offer. Uh, if he gets that, that's really good. They'll, they'll have a proven center back to add into the team. Um, another player, Inigo Ruiz de Galarreta, a former La Sama graduate who plays for Las Palmas in the second division, one of the best players in the Segunda last year. Um, I've heard that Osasuna have already made an offer to sign him. That'd be another great player. So if they make the right signings, I think we can see Osasuna stay in, especially because playing at their stadium is so difficult for anybody. They're going to get points there. But I, I think they will probably be in a relegation battle on some level just because they're they're new to the league again. Uh, they just came up from the Segunda, and they got to – they got to find those players that are going to take them to the next level. But I, I, I definitely think all five have the potential to stay in the league, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit if next year we're talking about five teams once again. Okay. Um, so back on, obviously, the athletic. And the last trophy, as you said, says earlier, came with the Supercopa win over Barcelona in 2015. Um, I remember, the, obviously, that that. The, the game at Sam Mems four uh, 0 Um, I think it was one each then back at the uh, Camp Nou, and like that that was obviously a good Barcelona team. That was a team that had just won the treble, so you know it was obviously a big a big uh, big success. Before that, they won the league in eighty three, the league in, league and cup double in eighty four. Do you think that they a club like Athletic can win more league titles, or do you think it's gone the, the game's gone too far in terms of globalization and commercialism for a club with Athletic's values to succeed? Uh, I, I think league titles are the hardest thing for the smaller clubs to win now because it's not just one or two games or a, or a home and away leg. It's you know 38 games or whatever um, over the course of a season, and that's really hard to keep up with the big clubs. I mean, you, you can beat Barcelona on a given night. You can beat Real Madrid on a given night. But over the course of an entire season, just keeping up with that amount of points is is difficult. And there's a reason that there's only three teams that are winning league titles in Spain right now. And I think it's going to take um, continued improvement of the television distribution rights before another club is going to compete for that. And that's not just saying athletic. I I don't think that Sevilla or Valencia or any of these other clubs can really compete for a league title either, just because of the way that it is. That being said, I think all of those teams can compete for a Copa del Rey, um, like Valencia just won, or the Europa League, which Sevilla won three of, um, Athletic have also been in finals. So I think that, <coughs> excuse me, if you look at next season, Athletic's goal is going to be finish in the top seven and qualify for Europe and try to make the deepest run possible in the Copa del Rey. I think that's got to be the other priority is winning that. And the good thing is um, Spain have just changed the way that the Copa del Rey is going to be played. Instead of every round being a home and away leg, um, the, the earlier rounds is going to be one game. Um, and it's going to be played at the smaller team stadium. So let's say Athletic do get drawn against Real Madrid or do get drawn against Barcelona. They've only got to beat them one game at San Mames, and they get to advance to the next round. And um, the way that most clubs in Spain look at it is, if I can get past the big three, 
I, I don't have to worry about the other clubs. Like that's, that's a fair fight. But if I can get past those three, so if, if the cards fall right and an athletic get one of the big three at Simon Best and they can win, who knows, they might not have to play uh, any of the other big three until the final or, or they might not even meet them in the final. So I'm, I'm excited about the changes for the Copa del Rey, but I think that's the type of title athletic can still win. Uh, the Europa League, if they get into it, I think that is still open. But league titles, it's not just athletic. I just don't think it's something that any of the other 17 clubs can realistically win the way that the league is set up now. So, looking, looking back, and obviously, as your, your time as an athletic fan, who would you consider as your three favorite players that have played for the club? Uh, three favorite players. Um, well, I'll give you the first two because I think they're the two best players to ever play for the club. And because of that, they're two of my favorites. But uh, um, I mentioned them earlier uh, Jose Angel Iribar, uh, the great goalkeeper, 614 appearances, most all time. Absolute legend. One of the best to ever do it. He's still around the club. You see him at the facilities all the time. He is athletic. Uh, and because of that, because of his personality, what he's done for uh, the boss community, um, not just the club, but the whole community is, is outstanding. Um, and then striker Telmozara, 335 goals, most all time for the club. Only Lionel Messi has scored more goals in Spain than he has. Um, fantastic, fantastic talent. Um, and then after that, I mean, if you're talking about my favorite player, um, I would probably have to say uh, Julian Guerrero, um, you know, a, a more recent player. I've never seen a player at Athletic do the things that he could do. Uh, and, and he did everything. Um, but the way that he put the club first, his personality, his commitment, uh, and then also just his talent. I mean, he was being regularly capped by the Spanish national team as well because of how good of a player he was. I don't think I've ever gotten as much joy out of watching a player as I did with Julian Guerrero. Um, but if you're talking about the best players, he's definitely up there. Um, Danny Ruiz Bazon scored 199 goals. Chicho Rojo, um, another great striker, second most appearances all time. Um, and then, of course, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, the Pachichi Award in Spain, uh, which goes to uh, the Spanish um, leading goal scorer. So not, you know, Lionel Messi can't win. That has to go to someone who is Spanish, who scores the most goals, um, is actually named after Rafael Morena Aranzadi, who was nicknamed Pachichi, played for Athletic, 240 goals in his career that he scored. So that award comes from an athletic player. Um, but there, there's so many great players. But I guess if, if I'm answering my favorites, it'd be Iribar, Zara, and Guerrero. And I would probably say those are the three best all time as well. But I'll probably get, we'll get a little bit of pushback for that third because I think that's a wide open target right there. What about the current squad? Um, who do you sort of consider as the main, the main players for, for the team at the moment? Uh, I think it kind of all starts with Iker Munayin, um, and that's not just because of the player he is on the pitch. Um, uh, a lot of people don't realize what happened a couple of months ago before the turn of the, the new year, and that's that uh, Iker signed a new contract. He was actually on the the last year of his current deal. And so, you know, there was outside of Spain, there was, oh, Roma want to sign him or are these other clubs want to sign him? He was never going to go anywhere. He's always said he doesn't want to go. He's got athletic tattoos on his body. Um, he, he doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to be a legend and um, he has no desire to play anywhere but Athletic. Um, but he finally signed his new contract before the uh, presidential elections. And amazingly, he did not include a release clause which hadn't happened in Spain in a very long time, which means mm -hmm. that clubs can't just come like City did with Laporte or Chelsea did with Arisa Balaga and say, oh, this is your price, I could pay it. Um, I mean, it's deeper than that because the player actually has to agree to it and pay their own release clause, but Iker Munayin doesn't have a release clause. And when he was asked why he did that, he said, I have no desire to play anywhere else, so why would I want to be for sale? By not having a release clause, I'm not for sale. Um, that was a very big deal, still is a very big deal. And when it happened, there was people asking, is that even legal? <laughs> because it hasn't happened in Spain in so long. Mm -hmm. Well, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, Oscar de Marcos and uh, Mikel Balenciaga both signed renewals, and they didn't include release clauses either. Uh, Aritza Doris just signed a one-year renewal at 38 years old, and he didn't include a release clause, although I don't think that would have been necessary anyway. Um, so now you have four players at the club who don't have release clauses because they don't want to go anywhere. And it all started with Eker. And every player who's talked about it has said that was an amazing thing for the club. That aside, his play on the field, I think, makes him one of the most important because he does things that no one else on the, 
the team can do. His vision and passing, his creativity, uh, his ability to take on opponents and just create space is something that nobody else can do. Uh, yeah, Iñaki's fast, but he's not going to uh, out-dribble someone. Ronald Garcia can score goals, but he's not the best uh, creative passer. Uh, Iker kind of ties everything together, and I think that makes him extremely important. But again, uh, Iñaki Williams, Ronald Garcia, uh, Adoris, um, he didn't play a lot last year, but once he's healthy again, he'll be an important player. And then Inigo Martinez and uh, Yerai, the two center backs. I think those are the core of the team right now. Um, but if you had to ask me who's the player that I want to be on the field every single game, for me it's Munyain because he does what no one else can in this team. Just to, just now you mentioned him there. Yerai uh, Alvarez obviously has had his problems off the field. Um, how how is he? I think he's, he's all all better now. I know he had, he had uh, I think it was it was a testicular cancer he had, and I think yeah. then it came back again. So I, I presume he's he's all good now. Uh, he's all good. I mean, you never know what another test can show. He beat it once, and then um, he was actually on international duty with Spain, and they just did a regular routine check and found that it had come back. Um, no one expected it. Um, although the 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 measures that he went through the first time. He didn't do, if I'm remembering correctly, he didn't do the radiation. They just did the surgery, and they told him, if you know, if we do it this way, there's a chance something can be left behind, and that is apparently what happened. This time he went through the treatment fully, and there hasn't been any situation since, and so um, he, he's been cancer-free for over a year now. Um, all that we know at this point is that he's good to go. You never know what's going to come back up, especially with something crazy uh, like cancer, and I, I wish no one had to ever deal with that. But um, for now, for all we know, he is doing fantastic, and uh, we're we're happy that he's doing well. No, it's obviously good, you know, to hear that he's he's uh, doing well. He's a player who I do I do think he's a very good player. He's still obviously quite young, um, but I, I kind of part part of me kind of thought that he just sort of never obviously port and he seems like sort of the next the next one off the off the conveyor belt so to speak you know he's, he's definitely a talented player um another one you mentioned there 38 years old or it's at our, at our ease he's been he just seems to be getting better and better there over the last couple of years as he, as he was getting older obviously you mentioned that you know he had his had his issues this season like how important do you think it is obviously like football's all about goal scorers and, and scoring goals so how important do you think it is that they can discover someone that's going to step into his shoes at some point in the pretty near future. Uh, it's very important that Athletic find his replacement. Um, right now, the goal is for that player to be Inyaki Williams, and that's why he filled in in that position. Um, <clears throat> there's not a player that Athletic can go by right now that's going to fill that hole. Um, the closest thing would be Fernando Llorente, but as we have said, he's not someone that the club is going to pursue. But other than that, there's not a eligible to play for the club striker that is going to come in and take a spot. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, so that being said, it's going to have to come from within Lasama, and there's several players who could be potentially that person. Um, Asevia Libre uh, scored 23 goals for Bilbao Athletic last year. Um, he's already debuted with the first team back when he was 19 years old. Um, there's hope that he could be that player. Um, there's there's other young strikers, Ewan uh, Rhein, who is just got promoted to Bilbao Athletic, Ruben Ascona, um, some other young players of, of that ilk who the club hopes can be the next great striker. But the plan uh, until one of these players works out is it's got to be Iñaki Williams. Uh, the problem with that is he's just a different player than Adarits. When one of them is on the field and the other one isn't, the team plays differently. With Adarits, uh, every single cross is dangerous. You can play more compact. Um, you can play a wider game with Inyaki. It's all about his pace. So the way that you attack is completely different. So <coughs> it is important that Adarits be in the team. I think having them on the field together makes Athletic a lot more dangerous. But uh, that has been one of the biggest questions, you know, for for years now. Uh, three years ago, he was 35. We were asking the same question of who's going to be the next Adarits. Um, I think the issue is we don't know at this point, and that's why it has to be Inyaki because there's not a clear answer, and there's definitely no one they can go out and sign. So the hope is that, once again, Lasama will uh, turn out another pearl, another diamond that's going to shine. But until that happens, you just kind of got to hope that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. With uh, 
I do agree with you, obviously, and uh, Adderese, obviously, is a big, big sort of target man, and Yankees all all pace, so, so obviously, you know, they are very different players, so I would tend to agree that, you know, I think Yankee probably, whenever Adderese does hang up his boots, I think Yankee will probably get the best out of Inyaki if you have him playing off someone. You know, I think that's probably the, the best option for the team. Obviously, you mentioned a couple of players there from the Zama, so is, is there much is there much else um, other than strikers or, you know, I know they, they just seem to continually be able to bring players through. So do you, do you know about much of it, who the, the next big star might be? Or uh, There's there's several, several players, and uh, I could probably fill a five-hour podcast just talking about the youth players. But uh, if, if you're talking about who the next star is, uh, well, that would be a, a young man, 21 years old, um, by the name of Inigo Vicente. Um, he's, he's from the area, of course. I've uh, been in La Sama for several years. I remember watching him as a 13-year-old and was just blown away when I would go to La Sama to watch games of, of his talent. It was just unbelievable. Um, last year, he had the chance to train with the first team during the summer. Um, he didn't earn a place in the team, and there wasn't really a place for him. Uh, so there was offers from several clubs in the second division to go on loan. And uh, when he was presented with the offers, he said, no, I don't want to leave. I want to stay here and play at Dolba Atletique. That's the the B team so that I can be at home and be seen every single day. Um, it worked out amazingly. If you watched the Bilbao Athletic Games last year, he was always the best player on the field. Um, it, it looks like he was playing down to his competition. There's no reason he should have still been uh, in the Segunda B because that level of football is beneath him. Um, he's that good. Um, he, he grew up playing striker, uh, shattered goal-scoring records in La Sama. Uh, but when he got to uh, Basconia, which is Athletics uh, Feeder Club or their C team, if you want to call it that, um, he was actually coached by Joseba Echeverria, another club legend, who saw him and said, you know, he's got to develop other parts of his game. So instead of playing him at striker, he played him on the left wing or he played him as a central attacking midfielder. And my goodness, he became an even better player. He started learning how to pass, how to create, how to take on other players. Um and you've seen it since then. He's evolved so much as a player. Um, and at Bilbao Athletic last year, every time he touched the ball, anything can happen. Um, he, his nickname is El Mago because he's magic. Um, and every time he touches the ball, magic can happen. Uh, he's going to train with the first team again this year. There's already clubs in the Segunda and even a couple in the Primera that have asked Athletic, hey, if he doesn't have a spot, we want to sign him on loan. That's how much of a coveted person he is. Um, there was even talk of some English clubs who were looking at him but he doesn't want to go anywhere. He wants to stay at Athletic, um, and he re-signed uh, with the club um, and raised his release clause to to 40 million euros just a couple of months ago. So he's committed to Athletic, but if you look at one youth player and say, who's the next big thing, you're definitely talking Inigo Vicente. This kid is unreal. Obviously, it's, uh, it's good to hear that he's, he's committed to the club because it's with a, being a club like Athletic, obviously, you know, he sold uh, Kappa, um, before that, obviously, Laporte a couple of years ago under Herrera. And, you know, it's all very well whenever these these guys leave and you get big money. But obviously, you know, with the, the restrictions on the transfer market, it's obviously difficult to replace them because you only have a set, set amount of players that you can. So with terms, obviously, the transfer window is open now and, and teams are preparing for next season. I naturally, just off the top of my head, fully expect to see the, the standard um, Nacho Monreal rumour. Um, it seems to be one that every, every every window seems to come up. Obviously, Herrera has been released from United. Is, what, what's your thoughts and who Athletic might go for? Is there anyone in particular you'd like to see them go for? Or have you heard much about who they might bring in this summer? Well, speaking about Nacho Monreal, this is probably the first summer I can remember that he's not being linked to the club. And maybe it's just because he's finally gotten old enough where it doesn't make sense for that transfer to happen. But also they've signed Yuri Barchiche last year, who I think is a better left back than Nacho Montreal is. Um, uh, Under Herrera, of course, is some of that athletic want. Um, Sporting director Rafael Corta said that they wanted him, that they would make an offer. um, But then he later said that they're not going to be able to match an offer from PSG. And so they've kind of already said that, yeah, we want him, but we know it's not going to happen. Um, one player that they've continually looked at and don't seem to be letting the rumors go away is bringing back Javi Martinez from uh, from Bayern Munich. Um, whether or not the German club want him to stay is another question, but if 
you know, they, they look to sell him to, to make some money. Athletic want to sign him. Um, he also loves the city. <clears throat> he regularly visits it with his family. Um, Athletic are hopeful that they could convince him to turn down other offers and come to Athletic if he does leave um, Bayern. But that's still a big question of, is that actually going to happen? Um, other than that, really the, the players Athletic are looking at are um, players who aren't going to be big names. Alex Berenguer, um, who plays for Torino in Italy. Um, he's an Osasuna product. Uh, tried to sign him two years ago, but Osasuna demanded more from Athletic than Torino. Um, so Athletic are looking at him because uh, the manager wants to strengthen the wings. So he's an option. Um, Alain Oyarzun, who plays for Nomazia in the second division, is another target. Still a young uh, winger that they think could develop. And then uh, Osasuna winger Kike Barja. Um, but now that Osasuna have been promoted, they're not going to want to sell him. Uh, other than that, a player that I would like to see signed, I mentioned him earlier, uh, Inigo Ruiz de Galarreta, uh, who plays for Las Palmas, who Osasuna are going to make an offer for. Um, he is an athletic product, came up through La Sama. Um, he was uh, idolized by Marcelo Bielsa, who always said he was going to be the next big thing, but two ACL injuries, saw him eventually leave the club. Now that's all behind him, and like I said earlier, he was one of the best players in the second division last year. He showed everything that he had flashed while he was a youth product at Athletic. Um, I would love to see the club bring him back because uh, they don't have a lot of creative midfielders. They have a lot of defensive midfielders and holding midfielders, but uh, not a lot of ones that are going to create for others. And that's why I highlighted that from, from Iker Munayin earlier. And uh, that's something that Galareta exceeds in. Um, but then again, they already have a lot of midfielders. I don't know if he would have a place in the team. And uh, as of right now, from what I've been told, They've kind of ruled out going after him. That could change, but as of right now, they don't have plans to chase him. But uh, that's a player I would really like to see them sign, and they could do it for not uh, too much. I mean, his release clause is $30 million, but Las Palmas would only ask for maybe $1 or $2 million if they really wanted to sign him, maybe less than that. Um, there's no way of knowing unless you talk to them, but uh, that's a player I would love to see the club sign. Other than that, it's the wingers that I mentioned earlier, but... I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's no signings this summer. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But then again, we have six players from Bilbao Athletic who have been promoted who are going to spend the, the summer with the first team. Um, we have Andoni Lopez coming back from loan. Uh, Christian Gana coming back from loan. So uh, Mikel Vesca coming back from loan with uh, Leganes. So that's nine players right there who weren't in the squad last year that Garitano is going to get to look at. Um, I think if, if I were a betting man right now, from what I know right now, I would probably put my money on Athletic not signing anybody. And uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing when you have uh, youth products coming out of La Sama every single year. Well, here it didn't, it didn't work out too badly for Tottenham. You know, they, they didn't sign anybody and they right. managed, to get the, managed to get a good run in the Champions League. So you never know, it could be, could be this time next year, it could be Copa del Rey Champions. But um, no, I just I want to say... Um, so we'll wrap, we'll wrap it up here. So I just wanted to say thanks very much for giving us an insight into, into your club, which, you know, to me, they're, they're, they're a fantastic club. I know I, I can't let you go without saying, um, obviously, with it, they being from Ireland, obviously, there's Celtic football clubs, a big part of my life. And um, I know recently there, we, we lost the European Cup winning captain, Billy McNeil, who had received an award, actually, from Athletic. Yep. Um, I think it was some sort of an, some kind of award for like a single club player. So you know, I know a lot of Celtic fans are obviously you know have an interest in Athletic and, and what they do. And obviously that was another sort of thing that that uh, you know the as Celtic fans were obviously very pleased to see Billy being honoured in that way, especially as it came around the time of his death there. But uh, I just wanted to get that in as well. But um, thanks, uh, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. I've genuinely enjoyed talking to you about Athletic. As I said, it's, it's, it's such a unique and fascinating club. So it's been really good to get the chat to you about that. So um, hopefully, maybe if, you, if you're in agreement, maybe later in the summer or whenever the season starts, we can maybe ca catch up for another chat if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm I'm always willing to talk <laughs> Athletic with anyone in a. Um, like, as you say, anytime during the summer, uh, during the season, um, whenever you want to talk athletic, basketball, football, La Liga, anything, uh, just let me know. I'll, I'll always be happy to be on. Thank you so much for having me. That's brilliant. Thanks very much, James. That was James Itagore discussing his beloved athletic club. 
That's all we have time for, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. I know I certainly did. Athletic are a truly fascinating club and one that I believe deserve great admiration for sticking to their principles despite everything that goes on in modern football. I've been your host Jerry Johnson and until next time, thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Cotball Watching Podcast. This episode's about Ajax, who are one of the most remarkable stories in European football last season. They managed to reassert their dominance in the Netherlands by winning a domestic double, but it was the performances in Europe that really got people's attention. A pair of draws with Bayern Munich in the group stages set the tone, but it was away wins against Real Madrid and Juventus that stunned the world. Sadly, the run, the run didn't take them all the way to the Champions League final in Madrid, but they literally couldn't have come closer than conceding a last gasp goal against Tottenham in the semi-final. So what's next for Ajax and their stars? I caught up with popular Twitter user and Ajax fan at the European Lad to ask these questions and more. Here's what he had to say. <laughs> 